the latest, greatest episode of the Nest and After Hours podcast presented by People's United Bank. Steely Goblin and Emerson Lotze here, and we're going to do it inside your ear hole for the next like 20 or so minutes. And by do it, I mean, we're going to interview one of the greatest Patriots reporters ever to walk on this planet. Of all time. Of all time. It's true. I I can't deny it. Oh, there he is. I'm going to talk before I'm even introduced. I'm going to be rude. People, people <laughs> know your voice, though. Time you can do that. <laughs> How's it um, going? By the way, this is, Doug, this is Doug Tide of Destin.com, co-host of the Patriots podcast. Oh, that's who it is. <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought it was Zach Cox. Oh, no. my God. <laughs> <laughs> my bad. I'll go back and rework the script. <laughs> it's fine. Hey, Doug, how are you, buddy? I'm doing fairly well. How are you guys doing? late one last night i know i got some sleep though and that's all that's important and that's what everyone needs to know right now who's listening that that i personally got sleep how much (laughs) sleep do you think bill belichick got after last night uh based on his mood this morning probably not enough i would say yeah how was he this morning what was was the biggest takeaway from this morning's presser uh, well, he was asked again if the Patriots would consider turning to Jared Stidham, and he said that that's the last time he's going to answer that question. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I don't think that's going to be the last time he's going to be asked that question, especially, especially if the Patriots lose any of these next three games. And I don't personally really understand why the Patriots are hesitant to go to Jared Stidham, but maybe Bill Belichick's just trying to push that off until the Patriots are actually out of playoff contention. Is yeah, that, that seems like it might be logical to start him then. But at, at, I guess it's you wait until you're absolutely at zero playoff chances. I think right now ESPN's football power index is 6%. <laughs> uh, I, I don't feel like that's enough. <laughs> yeah, I think it's time I mean, to, bring out the, to bring out Jared Stidham. I would probably – I would personally like to see Stidham just because it would be something different. It would make it a little bit more interesting. But from the Patriots' perspective, I can definitely understand why they would want to wait until there's that absolute zero chance. Because even if the Patriots win out, I think there's like a 33% chance of making the playoffs, and that's still some percentage points. Um, so, yeah, maybe just let Cam start this one last game and then turn to Stidham for the final two just to see what they have there. Because once the Patriots are out of playoff contention, if Cam Newton's not going to be the starter here moving forward, then there's no point in continuing to put him out there. Doug, if Stidham is the quarterback against the Rams, how do you think that impacts the result? What changes? It's a good question. Um, Cam was pretty bad yesterday, but the entire team was bad. Also, the offensive line was bad. Uh, The receivers had a few drops. Patriots run defense was pretty bad, but I can't imagine the Patriots only would have put up three points. So probably still would have lost but maybe it wouldn't have been as embarrassing. Uh, and then obviously Cam Newton did have the pick six. So even if Jarrett Stidham turned the ball over one or two times, then, you know, the, the Rams still would have got some points there on defense. Do you feel like Cam Newton gets too much blame for these Patriots losses? Yeah, I think that that comes with the territory of playing quarterback. And I also think that the Patriots quarterback position is held to such a high standard because of what Tom Brady was able to do. So, you know, any nitpick that you can make about Cam Newton's play, you know, you might not make those same nitpicks if Eli Manning had been the quarterback here before, or if, you know, 
some other quarterback had been preceding Cam Newton, but since it was Tom Brady and since he was so perfect for 20 years, the, the flaws in Cam Newton's game are just going to show out a little bit more there. So I, I do think that, you know, he's probably blamed a little bit too much. He wasn't awful yesterday. And even the interception that he had, Bill Belichick said this morning, wasn't really his fault. Uh, it was a design screen to Damian Harris. Defensive tackle Aaron Donald kind of held up Damian Harris. Cam Newton expected Harris to be at a point. He wasn't there. A Rams defender was, and he took it to the house for an interception uh, pick six. So, you know, that's a play that Tom Brady probably wouldn't have made. He probably would have thrown it into the ground, but it's, it's really tough to compare any quarterback to the high standard of play that Tom Brady used to play with. Yeah. Um, I forgot who it was who returned that pick six, but he said like last night they were just reading Cam Newton and like his mannerisms and kind of knew what play was coming. Like, is he tipping his pitches here? I think that he's playing with too much hesitancy is one of the biggest things. And you even saw that on the fourth down run near the goal line where he was going to try to take it in for the, for the touchdown. He waited way too long to pitch it to Damian Harris. And by the time he seemed to want to do that, it was too late. So I think that that might be what it is, is that Camden's kind of staring down receivers. He's being really hesitant in the backfield. And when a quarterback is doing that, then yeah, it's much easier to read what he's trying to do. And that I think has been Cam Newton's problem for, for a lot of this season is that he's just not reacting quick enough in this Patriots offense. And what it comes down to is I'm not sure how good of a fit it really has been uh, for Cam Newton and Josh McDaniels. He's definitely had some strong games this season, but overall it's been a disappointing marriage between the, these two parties. Is it a marriage that will last into next season? I don't think that there's any point in, in doing that. I just, it's not working this season and, and maybe it would be different with a full off season, but I'm also just not sure how high the upside of Cam Newton is at this point. I think that he could probably still be a starting NFL quarterback, but within this offense and he's, he's still a pretty good runner, but he's not as fast as he used to be. And I'm not sure if he is you know, precise and if he can anticipate quick enough and, and make those decisions quick enough to be in this offense. So I think that it's probably best for both parties just to, to divorce, I guess would be the proper term yeah. uh, this, this off season and for them to both move on because I, I don't know. I, I think that Patriots fans also would get extremely frustrated if the Patriots do try to bring back Cam Newton next season because of how poorly it's gone this year at times. Yeah, because like his limitations, how do you think that's impacting the play calling like that? What's that on the fourth and goal, right? Like he had, they ran the option. With them. <laughs> right. I'm like, what is, what is happening right now? Yeah, I think it does. And I think that Josh McDaniels is definitely hesitant to throw the ball too. Like you're saying, like on the goal line there on third and fourth down, the Rams just loaded up the box. They knew that the Patriots were going to run the ball. They knew that they didn't want to throw with Cam Newton. And it's weird because Cam Newton actually made a, a you know, a goal line touchdown pass uh, against the, the Chargers uh, to Nikhil Harry. So it's not as if they can't do that, but it is odd how hesitant, Josh McDaniels and the Patriots have been to allow Cam Newton to throw near the goal line because that's not what opposing defenses are expecting. And who knows, it might work out. And if they had got a touchdown on that drive, that entire game could have been different. So no, but I, I do think that Josh McDaniels sees Cam Newton's limitations and that's why he doesn't want to have him throw the ball. And uh, I don't think Cam Newton threw 
a single, he threw one pass deep. He actually completed it, uh, but they really haven't unleashed Cam Newton either. And at yeah. some point they needed to do that just to see what he could do on, on deeper passes this year. Yeah, That was the Nikhil Harry catch, wasn't it? Yeah. He went yeah, it was the pulled that thing really down. Nice contested catch by Nikhil Harry. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was more just like an underthrow and like he had to make an right. adjustment and like go back to it. <laughs> right. Like, okay. Um, at this point, you know, uh, a couple weeks left here, three weeks left here. Um, what do you, what do you hope to see out of this team that'll that'll give you some confidence moving forward into the off season? I think they just need to keep playing the young players as much as possible. They've it was weird even in yesterday's game, Chase Winovich I think only played about twenty or so snaps, and that was because the Rams run the ball so much and the Patriots don't trust Chase Winovich against the run, but. At the same time, it's like, I don't know, you've got to play your players with upside. You've got to play the guys with potential because you've got John Simon in there who's blowing assignments and he's not containing the edge well enough. So even if you have your good run defenders out there and they're not doing the job, you might as well just play the young guys. So I'd like to see Josh Uche as much as possible, Kyle Duggar, Chase Winovich. Uh, Damian Harris got a little bit banged up in that game. So that's unfortunate. Uh, hopefully that he can be healthy for these next few weeks, but you know, try to play to Nikhil Harry's strengths as well, just because I don't know, just the fact that even if the Patriots went out a 33 chance, 30, 33% chance of making the playoffs, you can't really be rooting for that at this point. You just have to be seeing what you have in the guys who actually have upside on this roster. Uh, what chance are you giving them against the dolphins next week? <laughs> Um, like this feels like a game. Like we talked about before we started recording, it's like they win this one, they beat the bills and then they're going (laughs) to lose to the jets. Right. Yeah. It's like, I'd honestly give them like a 50% chance of winning it. You just can't predict this team at all. Like they beat the Ravens, they beat the Cardinals, they smoke the chargers and then they get, you know, blown out of the stadium by the Rams. It's like, I know the Rams are better than those teams, but this team is just so impossible to predict. I was actually asked before the game, you know, how much does momentum play into the Patriots' favor against the Rams? And I was like, Ooh, I love this debate. No. I, I don't think it, and I even said, I was like, I don't think it does because this team plays with no momentum. Mm. Like from one week to, the, to another, you just have no idea which team is going to show up. And I thought they were going to win this game. I thought that, you know, they actually started to be playing better against the Cardinals and the Chargers and everything. But then this just proves that I don't think that momentum really exists in sports. And as soon as, you know, one bad play happens... <laughs> All of the momentum can immediately be lost if that Doug even Hyde exists. is not team momentum. <laughs> no. Not team momentum. I'm That's not right. either. I, I think it's a made up thing. I think you can feel that energy, but as soon as you feel it, it gets ripped away. Right. So you yeah. can't really believe in momentum. Right. I, I don't think that momentum is sustainable, I think is, is part no. of the problem. We're, we're getting very deep into this momentum debate, but like, no, you know, no, like, this is good. <laughs> this is good stuff right now. Like you but can you have it and then like all of 100 momentum. If and like momentum can't exist, if momentum can immediately drop from like 100 to zero exactly. based off one it's bad like play. This and that quick. Right. Well, that's exactly what happened yesterday too. It's like, yeah. all right, guys, we got momentum. We won 45, nothing. And the Rams are like, yeah, I got your momentum. And I'm going to stuff up like, <laughs> And then they're going to go march downfield in the opening drive of the game and score. And they're like, oh, well, damn, guys, we have zero momentum now. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, the momentum advantage is lost. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. The Rams had 60 yards on their first two offensive plays. And like, yeah, I, I didn't see much momentum on those from the Patriots run defense. How does Anthony Lynn still have a job today after the Patriots lose to the Rams last night? Like, 
dude, I, I Twitter searched it. Like it was so funny seeing like Chargers Nation be like, all right, now we definitely have to fire Anthony Lynn. After that offense, they put up, you know, 28 points, had the two special teams touchdowns, and then they can only manage three against the Rams. Like this is the team that just blew us out 45 nothing. It's crazy. No, seriously, like you were saying, we said this before the show, it was like a 66-point swing from one week to the other. Where, the, like, Who knows what the Rams would be the Chargers at this point? And, yeah, I mean, like, yeah. the, the Chargers might as well just fire Anthony Lynn now after their – even before their next game because based off what happened in that Rams game last night, yeah. Uh, real quick before we let you go here, uh, the Bills still lead the division. How do the Dolphins – do they have a realistic chance of maybe winning the title? I think they could. It, it is pretty amazing that we're now talking about an AFC East that isn't led by the Patriots and won't be led by the Patriots for the first time since uh, 2008. And yeah, I think they've got a chance. They've got a good defense. They actually did a really good job against the Rams. So you can see right there, the difference in play between the Patriots and the Dolphins, just the fact that the, the Dolphins played against them so well. I think that based on the Dolphins roster, it's kind of an overachieving team. I don't think they have the greatest roster, but I do think that Brian Flores is a really good coach and he gets the best out of his players. And we even saw that last year. What did the Dolphins go like five and 11 or something like that? And their team was essentially filled with a bunch of Patriots practice squad players. Yeah. And, and those five wins five all, wins. yeah, those five wins all came, I think in the last like six or seven weeks too. It right. was yeah. like this sprint to the finish and, and we're thinking, oh man, are they actually going to be good? Turned it on. Yep. For sure. Oh God! You had to you had to love what he did last week. We, we went out there and wanted to fight the whole Bengals sideline. <laughs> Remember after all, like the, the the cheap hits that the Bengals were laying yeah. on Dolphins players goes out there and he has to be like held back. Right? Yeah, you needed his uh, his like what's the the coach called on the sideline who holds the head coach back like the quality the holdback coach the or whatever it is. Yeah, <laughs> it, like this strength and conditioning coach holding him back. And that's fighting that's usually team. who it is. It's like you gotta have Forget the coach. You gotta have the strongest dude like <laughs> yeah. hold you back. It's the dude with the most jacked arms. Like that would be my position. Oh, yeah. get oh, back sure. thank you yep. producer fred nutter that was that was great <laughs> uh doug kide um we appreciate you coming on we know you got a lot of things to write uh you want to tease anything that you're about to hit the publish Ooh. on um i'll be posting my takeaways this morning um that's kind of diving a little bit deeper into the whole you know, advanced stats and analytics and everything then i'll, I'll rewatch the game unfortunately it won't be a fun one to rewatch, but uh you know, I'll kind man. of give my, my film. <laughs> Wait, you're not going to be excited watching that? Uh, yeah. I don't know. It, it's it's <laughs> such a weird feeling after covering this team for so long and, you know, having them win Super Bowl after Super Bowl after Super Bowl to now be to analyzing these three-point games. But, um, yeah, I'm not quite sure what I'll be doing my, my film review on, but um, I'll, I'll try to see some positives from this win. We'll, we'll see what happens. But, uh yeah, yeah. That, that's what I'll be doing over the next couple of days. And then I actually get the weekend off, which is kind of Whoa! a Thursday night game. Congratulations, right, what you, my what, friend. Those are hard to come by. What are you doing? That's what I want to know. You're probably going to take the family out and go look at Christmas lights. You're probably going to do something like very <laughs> big. Yeah, you got a pregnant wife and you got a little one. So you got There's, your hands full. Taunton, Massachusetts, I think home of Mike Eamon of Nesson fame. Yeah, T-Town. Um, <laughs> they've, got, they've got a great little like light uh, situation in their downtown. So maybe we'll take our three-year-old daughter, Olivia, to, to see that and, and do some, some social distancing there. That's really cool, so. man. Yeah, you should definitely get that. in touch with Mike. And uh, Mike <laughs> can show you guys around town. He'll give me the, the Taunton hookup there, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Doug Kai, we appreciate you, my friend. 
for sure. Good talking to you guys. Later, Doug. Yeah. <laughs> hey, um, real quick before hey. you go, Emerson, um, I want to ask you about Kyrie Irving. Uh, he what? what did he do? Brooklyn Nets fined two hundred or twenty-five thousand dollars each for yeah. not showing up to media day. He issued another statement, which I will quickly read out loud. I pray we utilize the fine money for the marginalized communities in need, especially seeing where our world is presently. I am here for peace, love, and greatness. So stop distracting me and my team and appreciate the art. We move different over here. I do not talk to pawns. My attention Ooh. is worth more. Your thoughts. Oh. All right. Well, he, he kind of had me there <laughs> until like the last line. Wait, I don't, I don't know. This guy's different. This guy's always going to do his own thing and he's not very likable. I can tell you that. Uh, but he is just going to continue putting more pressure on his teammates. We talked about this on this and after hours, like earlier in the week, right? Or was it last, last week? week? I can't yeah. remember. It all blends together. All, all he is doing is putting more pressure on the franchise and more pressure on his teammates to answer all the questions about all of the drama that, he is stirring up. He can blame it on the media all he wants. He's never going to like the media. The media is probably never really going to like them. It's a hate-hate relationship. But this is always – this kind of drama is always going to follow Kyrie Irving. It always has, especially here in Boston, man. That guy couldn't have left Boston soon enough. I know. And I, I feel like a lot of people outside of the Boston media dogpile on the Boston media. And it's like, no, we're just trying to do our jobs. Like, I don't care. If yeah. he's salty with us, I don't care if he's mean to us. We have dealt with that with coaches and players our entire careers. We still are, can do our job even if somebody's rude to us. But the thing is, it's like, it's part, he signed a contract. He's obligated to do it. Every 99% of the players out there do it, unless you're Marshawn Lynch. And Lynch still showed up. He just gave the same generic responses. Mm -hmm. He still showed up. So, and you're yeah. right. Like this, this gives unnecessary pressure to him. And if he does not perform well with the Nets this oh, year, God. Good it's luck. going to be way worse for him. Good luck with the New York media, buddy. Like, you, you thought Boston was bad. I mean, New York's going to chew you up and, and spit you right out. Like, seriously, dude. It, like, it'll, it'll challenge him, like, mentally for sure. Like, he's going to be like, good God, these people, like, won't leave me alone. Yeah, you're damn right. And also, people want to hear from him right now. You're about to play with Kevin Durant. Like, you guys are one of the favorites like, in the East. For crying out loud like this should be an exciting time i i don't understand why like you take this approach i think you should have looked at this and said i'm gonna hit the reset button i'm gonna repair this relationship you know i you could still take like the high road like i like again going back to a statement you just read i like the idea of, of using you know the fines and for a pot you know turn that money around in a positive way using a positive way but like for crying out loud dude you're not making life easier on yourself it's not going to go away it's not going to stop no, no. I mean, if, if he hits the game-winning shot, we need to hear from him. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's. Yeah. I, I was listening to a couple of other people's takes on this, and that, and some people were, you know, on his side, and some others weren't. And the whole thing is, is that it doesn't matter what he thinks about us. At the end of the day, if if he does something in a game, we have to report on it. And to supplement our reporting, we need to have those quotes from him. Like we can, yeah, we can ask somebody else about what did you see when Kyrie did X, Y, and Z, but we want to hear from him on what he saw to hit that shot or do that play or whatever. Yeah. And you're, like, you're right. He could have hit the reset button here. This was a great opportunity to start fresh. Instead, he just like hit the blow up button instantly, just blew yeah. everything up. And it's like, it, 
it wasn't necessary. You're in a new market uh, with a new team. You have this great opportunity to kind of take a step forward and show some maturity, some leadership. And instead he took like four steps back. And I, like, again, everybody will, there's, there's a side that wants to pin on the media and there's a side that wants to pin on Kyrie. It's kind of both. Yeah. Like if, if he has a problem with a headline or what a reporter said, I've had players come and say, why'd you write this? Or, you know, let me explain a little bit more. It's a two-way street. Yeah. And yeah. It, 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 at the end of the day, he's a, there's going to be pressure for him to show up, not just from us, but from his team eventually, because they cannot keep affording to get hit with these $25,000 fines. If I, if um, I, I don't right need now, the guy. I want him to do well. For um, sure. But at the end of the day, what he puts out there, we report on both out there on the floor and off the floor. So, I mean, there's always a chance for him to turn this thing around and start new. But right now, he's not off to the right start with Brooklyn. If I'm the Nets, I ship him off to Houston. I bring in James Harden. I do it right <laughs> now. On, I say, I say forget it, dude. At least, at least Harden's not going to have this, like, eternal battle with the media. That's just no. going to be never-ending. But here's what it 99.9% of the players work well with the media. Yep. It's not a media problem. If it was, there would be plenty more players not wanting to speak to us. It is not a media problem. But Kyrie wants to make it that way, and there's not going to be a lot of people to defend us. Us in the media will defend ourselves, but the a majority of people in the population that don't understand media, they don't understand how we work, how our jobs actually work, if they don't know a journalist, they're not going to you know, give us much support. Mm -hmm. That's okay. That's okay. I accept that. Um, yeah which is why it's, I think it's important to know journalists because they kind of might open your eyes on actually how our life is, our job is. But I digress. Uh, Kyrie, if you're listening out there, we want to talk to you about the good, the bad, the ugly, all of it. And, you know, I hope he speaks to, to the media because I, I think even the New York fan base wants to hear from him too. They don't want to just yep. hear these statements on Instagram. Like that's, that's no fun. That's no fun. Uh, all righty, Emerson, we've got uh, a show tonight. Yes, ma'am. Uh, then we're, we're off for the weekend, just like Doug. So what are you going to do this weekend? I'm going to stalk Doug at the uh, Holiday Lights Festival in Taunton. I will be there <laughs> dressed as a tree. And I will be You and your tree him. outfit. <laughs> I will be throwing snowballs at Doug and his little child. <laughs> That's what I plan on doing. Anything for you real quick? Uh, I would like to go check out some lights somewhere for sure. Um, probably celebrate my birthday a little bit early, maybe Gravy. do something little there with, you know, my house and my dog, uh, which we got fabulous Christmas photos taken. Yeah, those so. look great. Those look great. Yeah. Follow her on Instagram right now. It's a beautiful thing. Like right now. Um, right now. but yeah, that's going to do it for us. This is After Hours Podcast presented by People's United Bank. We'll be back with you guys next week, but for now, peace.